in a series called Home for the Holidays with a question mark, and the idea is that uh, oftentimes um, during the holidays, you are at different parties. My son was at his first uh, corporate Christmas party. If you've ever been in business, I was in business before I became a pastor, and uh, corporate Christmas parties can get a little uh, odd at times, and so uh, you need certain tools for that to be able to navigate that, uh, to pretend that you never saw your boss like that before. And um, uh, maybe you've got a family event coming up, or maybe you were at the women's Christmas uh, dinner last night and crowds and things like that get you nervous. And so what this, ser- what this uh, series is all about are just some practical tools that we have for uh, the Christmas season. So we talked about when we lit the candle of hope, we talked about the idea of thankfulness, of being thankful. And, uh, And so we talked about that. And we talked about specifically about being thankful to one another, not necessarily to God, which is all through the Bible. Of course, we want to be thankful to God. But we talked about this tool of being thankful, kids being thankful to their parents, Um, We talked about being thankful for your boss and going on and on and on. This idea that it's a a, uh, quick twitch muscle and it needs to be exercised. So that thankfulness is one of the first things that comes out of your mouth. Second thing we talked about was this idea of forgiveness and that forgiveness is freedom. Thank you, Patricia. And uh, that forgiveness is freedom. And we talked about the idea that when there's an issue, you have two... uh, um, Uh, options, you can either demand payment or you can cancel the debt. Those are your only two options when you're wrong. And, And what we talked about is the idea that they cannot pay. They cannot pay. And when we demand payment from people who cannot pay, it puts us in prison. If you are struggling with forgiving someone, I would ask you to listen to last week's sermon. Not because I'm a great preacher, which I am, but it's uh, the scripture wins uh, all the time. And so that scripture verse, Jesus made up a story specifically for this particular topic. And so uh, I'd love for you to listen to that and you can share that as well. This morning, we're going to talk about a gift that doesn't feel like a gift when you receive it. And we're going to talk about a gentleman in the Bible in the very first beginning of Luke in the whole Christmas story that was given a gift that we never really call a gift. But when you see the outcome of his life after he has received this gift, you'll see it was a gift worth receiving. And so uh, we're in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Now, before I get started, I want to tell you a quick story. I... um, uh, I used to, Lisa and I used to live in this apartment and we would get, for some reason in this particular apartment building, we would get lots of people from different religions trying to convert us into their religion. Sometimes it was Mormons, sometimes it was Jehovah's Witness, sometimes it was Christians trying to convert me to become a Christian, which I already was, but I didn't always let them on that I was. So I'm kind of a jerk. But anyway, uh, so I would just listen to like, hey, what, you know, what kind of, what do you, what do you got for me, you know? And uh, so one time this, uh, a, a group, I think it's Jehovah's Witness. I could be wrong. If you're Jehovah's Witness and you're watching, I'm, I apologize. But they don't celebrate Christmas. And the reason is because Christmas is not Jesus's actually actual birthday, which is probably isn't. And Christmas was a pagan holiday. They had a whole bunch of things. But um, they came to the door and they said, um, hey, 
what would you think if your family didn't celebrate your birthday on your actual birthday? Now, here, here are two things that made this a tragic error on their part. One is my family doesn't really celebrate birthdays that much. Like we don't, I mean, we acknowledge it, but it's kind of like, we kind of think of it, it's like your first job is to live. So like if you make it another year, like great job, I guess. It would be like for, for fish, like happy swim day. It's like, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stay upright. That's your number one job as a human being. So to celebrate that you achieved that for a year, to my family, you can kind of guess my family of origin, it's just good for you. Great. You're, you're, you're breathing. We're very happy for you, right? And then I married into a family that birthdays were so important. They had a special plate, okay, that you got on your birthday. Now, what they would do for my birthday and my sister-in-law, who happens to have the same birthday, my birthday is December 30th, and you can send uh, cash donations to Living Spring. No, it's December 30th, and they were sad because my birthday was in the holidays, and I didn't get the recognition you're supposed to get on your birthday, so they'd celebrate it six months later. So I actually had two birthdays. I had my birthday that my family didn't celebrate, and then we had my, my other birthday, which was really celebrated, that wasn't actually on my birthday. So if you're a Jehovah's Witness, I'm the worst person, the worst candidate you could talk to. They said, what would you do if they didn't celebrate your birthday on your birthday? And I said, well, they don't. And whatever training they go through or school or whatever, that wasn't in any of the classes, okay? That wasn't in any of the classes. And so they sat there, and they, and, and they just, well, one guy who I think was in training looked at the other person like, I'm looking all through this thing. I don't see any answer to this. And he looks down, and he's like, well, you know what? Thank you so much for your time. And he, he, and he, and he leaves, right? Because we think, and as Christians, we think oftentimes like, a successful Christian convinces other people to become Christians. We call it evangelism, right? Or sharing your testimony. And those things are all important. As a matter of fact, the Word of God specifically very clearly says, um, you should be ready at any point to give a defense to anyone who asks of you. So I'm not saying anything about you shouldn't evangelize or anything like that. The gift I want to talk to you about this morning is one that was given to a gentleman called Zechariah. And it's found in chapter Luke, uh, cha uh, Luke chapter, chapter one of Luke. And it starts out this, in the time of Herod, king of Judah. And this is really cool. Just if you're a, uh, I'm a Bible geek. I love the Bible. I love reading the Bible. I love reading into the Bible. I think the Bible is written, um, uh, it, it, every word of it's true, that it's infallible, that if you apply your entire life to the Bible, it will not disappoint you. And so I love Luke because Luke starts out his, his, his letter or his book and says, I've done a careful inquiry. And so you'll notice all these little facts in Luke that are so awesome. Like this one, uh, in the time of King Herod. Now, Luke was written after, Luke wasn't written just the week after Jesus died. Right? It, it was written like decades after Jesus died. And so this would be a reminder to the people reading it. Like, oh yeah. Like, so if I wrote a book two decades from now or so, and I said, oh, it was during the time of COVID. 
you'd go, oh, oh yeah, I remember that. We were all wearing masks. We fought about uh, masks and we fought about vaccines and we fought about, yeah, we fought a lot during the, you know, <laughs> right? So that, that's, that's kind of what Luke is saying. Like, remember that time? And they go, yeah, 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 I remember. In the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. Now, just so we understand, this priestly division, there were 24 divisions, there were 8,000 priests. It was kind of like the National Guard of priests. You would be called up to do your priestly duties to take to run the temple because the temple takes a lot of work. So you'd have your high priest, kind of like the pastor who's there full time, like, like I get, I'm, I, I pastor, I shepherd full time. That's my income comes from that as well. And so there's the high priest, but then there's all these other priests that go up and do these, uh, this work. And so they would be called up. And so he was from uh, the division of Abijah and his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Now, uh, we don't think anything of this, but... Um, if you were like a Jewish mom or a Jewish dad and your son was getting married and they're like, oh, who, who is it? You would say Elizabeth. And then you'd kind of like fake humility and be like, yeah, she's, uh, she's from the line of Aaron. Expecting the person to go, oh, wow, that's really, oh, the line of Aaron, oh, descendant, oh, that's, that's amazing, right? So that's what, Luke is just setting the tone. This couple is pretty awesome. This couple is very spiritual. This couple has got it all down. This couple has answers. This couple has answers. Now, both of them were righteous, which is very important because we've seen priests in the Old Testament, oh my goodness, all throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament not be righteous. So Luke is saying, no, this, was a, this is one of the good guys in the sight of the God, one of the good women, observing all the Lord's uh, decrees blamelessly, okay? Because Luke is going to give us a little bit of information that might make us tilt our heads a little bit if we were reading this back in the day to go, well, wait a second. If they're from the priestly line and she's a descendant of Aaron and they were both uh, blameless and they followed all the Lord's decrees, then how could they be childless? Because that was a blessing from the Lord. Children at times can be a blessing. For, no, they're always, they're always a blessing from the Lord because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And so if you're a reader of Luke, you're kind of thinking you have this, you're, you're managing this tension between, okay, well, they, they, were, they were righteous and they're from this priestly uh, line and yet they, they couldn't have kids. And then it goes on and they were both not just old, very old, Okay. I won't get into all of that, but they were very old. And so if you're reading this, you're thinking, well, for whatever reason, they were childless. If they're very old now, that season of their life is over and um, we just have to move on, right? And for any of you who've tried to have children and couldn't, you know the emotional roller coaster that all of that. Uh, goes through, and I am not pretending to know what that's like, but I just know lots of people who have gone through that heartache and through that um, questioning and seeking God, and what is this all about? And that's, that's where they were. So once, 
when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, in other words, his group of the 24 was called into service to go serve for a period of time. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood. This is very funny. Again, I love the Bible. I love reading into it. Um, so it says, this is according to the custom of the priesthood. This isn't what you would do. Like, this isn't Old Testament law. It's just that for some reason, and you can probably imagine if you've, if you've worked at a company or you work at a school or whatever, you're on staff somewhere, something happened where somebody got to do something more than this person, and then they started complaining, and they lit the incense last time. No, they didn't. I didn't. I've never lit the incense, right? Okay, okay. We're going to have a lottery, right? And so I don't know how they do it. They put everybody, you know, they're rolling this thing, and okay, here's who it's going to be. All right, and uh, oh, it's Zechariah. So that's what happens by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense I, I, I just want you to see this for just one second a priest would maybe maybe get this max twice in their lifetime to be able to burn the incense. What they would do is they would go into the temple and there's, there's all these courts. There's the court of Gentiles, a court of women, and then there's this holy place, and then there's the holy of holies. And so this priest would go into this holy place and they'd light incense by the curtain that separated him from the holy of holies. This is the closest you would ever get kind of physically to God with this curtain. And remember when Jesus died, that curtain was torn, giving us all access to our heavenly father. But that's for Easter. Now, uh, and so we, he, there he is, right? Now, just put yourself in Zechariah's place like I like to do and think uh, if you've ever had a buddy get married and they ask you to be the best man, then you realize I got to do a toast. From the time your buddy asks you to be the best man or if you're a woman, you're, you're, you ask your best friend to be the maid of honor, I'm telling you the only thing they're thinking about is that toast. Writing the speech, looking it up online, watching YouTube videos of toasting fails, like all, just everything, it's just on their mind. Imagine if you're called up to light the incense and you get probably one shot in your whole life, right? So that's what you're thinking about. Maybe you have one of these lighters that doesn't work and you're like, I have got to find a lighter that's going to work. You're looking at it. You ever do that with these lighters where you look at it, see how much level, like, like, there's enough oil in there. Why won't it light? I don't know. I think Satan created those things. They're, they're just terrible. You click it 17 times. On the 18th time, it works. It's just terrible. This is what Zachariah was going through. He's the guy. He, he won the lottery, essentially. And so uh, he goes to burn incense. When the time for the burning incense came, this is, just makes it even worse. By the way, that... Peace is hard to come by line was brilliant. That was great, great job. When, when the time came for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. This is it for Zechariah. If you are a priest, this is it. So here he is. He's got his scripto lighter. He's got the incense He's ready to go. He's practiced. He's clicked it a bunch of times all the way to Jerusalem. He's clicking it. Okay, it still works. Is there enough oil? He's all ready to go. And maybe, maybe, maybe he realizes this 
is a one-time shot for me to ask one more time. God, can we have a kid? Can we have a kid? I don't know. I'm reading into the Bible. That's not, don't, don't blame me for reading too much into it. It's what I do. And so he's clicking, and he's lighting, and he's clicking, and then an angel of the Lord appears to him. Now, okay, I've been in this sanctuary by myself when it's dark outside. It, it does have a different feel. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It, it feels more sacred when you're in here alone. I don't know why, but I, if I'm in here praying or whatever, there's just this sense of, of just calm and wow. This is, I just get a sense, when I come in here alone, if it's dark, I just get this sense of wonder, almost, sometimes. So I just, I just put myself in Zechariah's. Here he is, like, wow, I'm right there. And this angel of the Lord appears to him, and then this is so Luke, at the right side of the altar of incense. Like, what is, who cares? <laughs> like, like, it's on the right side, left side, it's an angel, like an angel appears. But Luke Made careful inquiry. Yes, he did. And somebody made sure. Make sure you write down it was on the right side of the altar. So he does. And look at this. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. You think? You think so? Right? I've come in here when there's been um, people who shouldn't be in here uh, sleeping. Not on a Sunday morning. That happens a lot. But uh, on uh, like an evening when someone's not supposed to be in the second, and they snuck in and, and they, they've set up some things. And I can tell you, I was startled and gripped with fear, okay? And I actually knew the person. So this is what happens. Now it's an angel, which I don't know about you, but I think of angels as being like eight feet tall anyway. And then they have wings, so they're just big. They're just big. The angel says to him, which they all say, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Calls him by name. Listen, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. Because I just want to say, this is, has nothing to do with the sermon, but I just want to say to any of you who have been going before God, would, I, would you just give me this one thing? Could I just have a spouse? Could we just have a kid? Could I just get that job? Could we just have this ailment removed? He knows your name, and he's heard your prayer. So just for whoever that is for, that is a truth. He knows your name, and he's heard your prayer, and he knows it's hard. Okay? So that's where we are. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Okay? Which means awesome one. No, it doesn't. It, it means God is gracious. Okay? That was a bad, bad joke. Okay. Now listen to what he says. He will be a joy and a delight to you. Look at how personal this is. Between this angel and Zechariah. Between God and Zechariah. It's not just like you're going to have a kid and he's going to rule the world and be a great kid and you don't care anymore. He's going to be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he is never to take wine or fermented drink. This is a Nazarite vow that he is going to be taking. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And we see this and we'll see it next week when we talk about Mary. Uh, 
Mary shows up and John leaps in Elizabeth's womb. In other words, there's this connection. There's this filling of the Holy Spirit before he was born. And the, the, the angel goes on. Now listen, I don't know about you. I'm, a dude, I'm just a dude. So I just know how my brain works. And I'm not saying Zechariah. Zechariah's probably got it all figured out. But I'd have been like, well, hold up. Hold up. Wait. Go. Stop talking and go back. Did you say Elizabeth? <laughs> Did you say my wife Elizabeth is going to have a kid? Like what? And his name's what? John? But the angel just keeps going. He keeps going. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. Uh, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. If you are a priest... To be told that your son will go in the spirit of Elijah, that is like, what? Wait, Elijah? Yes, Elijah. He will, uh, he'll go in the power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and make ready uh, a people prepared for the Lord. This is amazing. And Zechariah asks a question that would be the first thing out of my mouth. And it's this. How can I be sure of this? Now, uh, just so we're clear, uh, Mary says, we're going to talk about Mary next week. She says something very similar. Uh, and I, for the longest time, I've always been kind of like the Bible sexist in the other way. Like Mary asked the same question and she's just like let off the hook completely. Like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. And Zechariah's like asked the same question and, and he, he gets, well, we'll see this gift <laughs> that God gives him. He gets a gift that doesn't seem like a gift. It just doesn't seem fair to me. Until you kind of get into the Greek and read some commentaries and do geeky Bible stuff, which I like to do. And you realize what he's saying is, prove it. What he's saying is, he uses this word, uh, kata, which is, how can I know for sure? How can I, how can I, let, let, let's, ha, let's, let's have a, a courtroom, and, and you, we got your testimony, and that's, that's fine, that's good testimony, but, but how can I be sure? Because I have to go out and tell people. I have to go out and share all this stuff. And I, if I'm going to be risking myself, I want to be sure. I want to be dead sure that this is going to happen. Because I, I don't want to be, I got to get back with all these priests and, you know, t tell them, hey, you know what? Elizabeth's going to have a baby. I know it doesn't make sense because, you know, we're both very old, you know, whatever. And so, like, like, prove, kata. How do I know this? How do I, how do you prove this to me? <laughs> and then he goes on. Because... This is so classic, dude. I'm an old man. And my wife is, um, well, she, you know, like a, like a fine wine. No, let's see. How I, she's, she's well along. She's, you know, like a, if you have a timeline, she's kind of well along, right? Like he doesn't, he says, I'm an old man. He doesn't say, and my wife's an old woman. You got to love Zechariah. The dude's a, I, I like this guy. She's, she's well along in years. Here's the answer Gabriel gives. Bro, he starts out, I'm Gabriel. Like, remember Daniel 9, Zechariah? Remember that? Remember, yeah, yeah, remember Daniel 8, Daniel 10? Yeah, 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 I remember all that. Yeah, yeah. 
Remember, that was hundreds of years ago. Guess, guess who that was? That was me. I, it was me. Like, you need, you need to know for sure. Like, <laughs> I'm an angel. Like, big old wings come out. Like, you know, the whole thing. Like, what else? What else? I stand in the presence of God. Dummy. And I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Then he says this. And this just seems so unfair for Zechariah, who's asking a legitimate question. How do I know this? I mean, this is so... I'm, first of all, I got picked by a lottery. I, my scripto thing didn't work. I, I, how does this all... How, it's so much information, so fast, and he's so vulnerable in this, in this holy space. He's processing. And he says, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. I don't know about you, but I think to myself, did Gabriel just come up with this on his own? Or did God say like, hey, when you tell him he's not going to, he's, he's going to ask for more data, just tell him he can't speak anymore, right? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if Gabriel just came up with this on his own or if God did it. Either way, this is what, this is what went down. Now, when we look at this, we think to ourselves, he's being punished. He's being disciplined. And I think he is being disciplined. But Hebrews talks about maybe a different way of discipline that you and I would think. See, all of the Bible talks about God being our heavenly father. And if you're a father or a teacher or an uncle or whatever, and you're with a little kid or you're whatever, you, you don't discipline them because it just feels great to discipline kids, doesn't it? You discipline them because you want them to grow up. You want them to be protected. You want them to go through little things as a child so that they're not going through those things as an adult. Because you know this and I know this. If you don't discipline a child, they will get disciplined as an adult. That boss will be like, nah. We're not doing this. That police officer might be like, wow, speaking your mind today, aren't we? Like, it, like, you will get discipline. And a good father and a good mother and a good aunt and a good uncle and a good teacher says, we got to catch this kid when he's young because we value them. In Hebrews, it says, it is for discipline you endure. God deals with us as sons. For what son is there that his father does not discipline? Right? So our heavenly father is disciplining Zechariah, not because he's angry or he needs to smack him around or how dare you, but it's like there's some unbelief in your heart, Zechariah. You need everything proven to you, Zechariah. You need kata. You need to know. You need to really know. And that's not what it's like to follow Jesus. You don't have all your facts there so you can just know. He says, you did not believe. You wanted to know. 
and that was your standard for belief? No, no, no. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to be quiet for a while. You're going to be silent. God's going to give you a gift, and that is the gift of silence. And that is the gift and the tool that I wanted to share with you this morning. As we go into these things, and I just preached on it in August on the zombie apocalypse series. Uh, I did a whole different thing on it. This is, this is kind of a second part to it. But that was all about being slow, uh, quick to hear and slow to speak. If you remember, it even came with hand motions. We're quick to hear, slow to speak. See that? Quick to hear, slow to speak. All right, this is the second half. That silence oftentimes can be a gift. That sometimes when you arrive at a party or arrive at a group event or arrive at a thing and everything's going, ah, blah, 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 and here's what I think about politics and here's what I think about this and here's what I think about that and blah, 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 blah. And the Lord says, hey, hey, for you right now, shh, I want to do something inside. You're not going to prove it. You're not going to be right. There's a famous quote. Uh, I, I forget his name. Edgar, I think. It's uh, our 13th uh, Secretary of Ag Agriculture in the United States. He says, uh, humility, uh, pride is um, wanting to know who was right. Humility is wanting to know what is right. And so... He gives him this thing. Now, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to light his incense and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. We shouldn't have given him that lighter, right? Yeah, right? And when he came out, this is so awesome, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision of the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Now, again, I, I like to think of like the sign. What signs do you make? You know, I was walking into the temple, right? You know, and so they're like, you went to the temple, your lighter didn't work, right? You know, okay. And then, you know, you know, there was a pterodactyl. No, no, no. You know, it's like, oh, an angel. Yeah, an angel. Okay, right, right. We got it. So he's going through this whole thing. Again, I, I tend to think too much about the Bible, but he's unable to speak. Now, this is so cold, this next, this next verse. If all of a sudden you're at work and you couldn't speak or something happened, they'd send you to urgent care, right, at least. Or they'd go, hey, man, why don't you take the rest of the week off and figure out your whole not being able to talk thing. Probably should go see a doctor. When his time of service was completed, they made him work. That's cold. Anyway, that was just me. I'm just, I don't know. He returned home, okay? Now, think about this poor dude. He can't talk. He realizes, I've mentioned this before, he realizes that the only way he's going to be able to talk is for Elizabeth to have a baby. Now, I don't want to get into the physiology of it all, but for that to happen, uh, other things need to take place. So I don't know if Zachariah was on his way home, like picking up flowers and candy, and like he can't talk, so he's just like, hey, you know, he writes down, like a fine wine, you have aged, like I don't know what he's doing, right, but he has to basically convince her that um, when two people really love each other, and so he does somehow. How he, how he does that. He explains to her somehow what's going on. And after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Now, I find this very fascinating that 
this happens uh, because you can imagine for Elizabeth, who's going through all the social stigma, who has, they've tried to conceive, they've tried to uh, have a kid, and maybe they've had a couple that came close and they lost their baby. For whatever reason, for anyone who's gone through this process, it is emotional. And to be told that God visited your husband in a temple and said, hey, you're going to have a baby, and then you get pregnant. Uh, you know what? I, I, I do not blame Elizabeth for one second. I can just imagine her going, I think I'm just going to, we're going to wait this out before we go crazy. Right? Maybe not. But for some reason, Luke writes this into the uh, uh, into the word. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he's showed favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. In the sixth month, we'll talk about this next week, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. That maybe God was like, hey, if she asks a question, do not make her silent this time. You know, I don't know what he did. But to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. The virgin's, man, the virgin's name was uh, Mary. Now we skip a bunch because Elizabeth has that baby that was promised to Zechariah. And he's silent this whole time. He's heard all the arguments. Oh, I know why. You, you, you say you're blameless, but we know that the Lord opens the womb and the Lord closed the womb and the Lord closed Elizabeth's room. So something must not be right. And all the murmurings and all the things, all the things where you would want to defend yourself where you'd want to explain yourself, where you'd want to say, hey, I've, an angel came and visited me, but you're just too tired because you're tired of the hand motions, and you're just like, ugh, I just silent, silent, silent. What does that produce? Silence. What if you can't defend yourself? Silence. What if you can't explain yourself, and you have to be silenced? What's the outcome of that? On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. They were going to name him after his father, Zechariah, which would have been normal in, that, in those days. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's going to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives with that name, right? Totally common. Then they made signs to his father. Now, again, it didn't say he couldn't hear. I don't know why they're making signs to him, Right? Like maybe just when you, someone's making signs to you, you just make signs back or I, I, I don't know. Now, I did read a commentary that said when it says that he was mute, that that could also mean deaf and, and mute, whatever. But they're making signs to him to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and everyone's astonishment. He wrote his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak. And he said, I told you there was an angel. I told you, you didn't believe me, but it was an angel, and he was huge, and it was Gabriel from Daniel chapter 9. And let me tell you another thing. I heard everything you guys were saying, and here's what this, and this is who's going to win the Super Bowl, and I just want you to tell you this, and I have lots of stuff to say. Blah, 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 blah. But he was given the gift of silence, and the outcome of the gift of silence is this. He began to speak, praising God. The discipline that God had placed on Zechariah worked. He became a new person. He didn't need kata. 
He didn't need to know. He knew. There was something that was happening while he was quiet and while the world was all playing out, doing its thing, having to be right about everything, having these different opinions and different things about Elizabeth, his wife, and different opinions about him and about Israel and about all these things. Now remember, God has been silent for 400 years from the Old Testament till now. And all of a sudden, the angel visits Zechariah. And people would be like, no, man. And the first thing out of Zechariah's mouth is praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country in Judea, the people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard him was filled, uh, who heard this wondered about asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And so Zechariah is praising the Lord. He's not addressing anything. He's just filled with praise. I believe that's what silence does. We do not have to be right everywhere we go. We do not have to convince people of this or that everywhere we go. Sometimes, sometimes the Lord whispers in our ear, and maybe it's not an angel, and maybe it's not forced upon you, but whispers in our ear, shh, quiet, calm your soul. Calm your heart. It's all going to be fine. God is in control. You do not have to be right. You just have to do what's right. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he has said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of his enemies. It's almost like this has been boiling up in him. That the things that were so important to him prior to that just melted away. The conversations that he used to engage in for months and months and months and the topics that would come up, he couldn't engage in. He just had to turn inside. He had to reflect. He had to meditate on God. And to enable us to serve him without fear and the holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And then he looks to his little boy and he says, you, my child will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord and prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, which we're going to be talking about very specifically on Christmas Eve. And so if you have friends, you would like them to hear the gospel message as clearly as I could possibly give it. Invite them to Christmas Eve because that's what we're going to be talking about, this salvation through the forgiveness of our sins. Listen, listen to what he says to a God that has disciplined him, to a God that has quieted him, to a God that has said, you know what? Your opinion is not valid right now. You shh, shh, the tender mercy of our God. Something happened. The discipline worked for Zechariah by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those in the darkness and to the shadow of death to guard our feet into a path 
of peace. Silence. As the worship team comes back up. I would encourage us during this holiday season when everything gets amped up, emotions get amped up, anxiety gets amped up. Some of us have lost loved ones during this season. In years past or maybe even this year, and everything's tense. And for some, you're going to go to the in-laws, and that's stressful. For some, you're not going to make it to your family's house, and that's stressful. To some, you're going to miss people and all this. And maybe, just maybe, the tool you pull out of your tool belt is silence, is to listen to hear all that's going on and to calm your heart and go, you know what, I just during this time want to experience the tender mercy of my Heavenly Father. I want to read one more section of Scripture where this word kata is used. It's actually used with that word and another word combined together about a testimony In other words, a court. This is taking place in a court of law. And the question is basically this. We have some knowledge here. We have somebody testifying. What do you have to say to that? We need to know. The high priest stood up and said to Jesus, are you not going to answer? Don't you have the answer to this question? What this Kata, what this testimony that these men are bringing, these men are bringing against you. Aren't you going to defend yourself? Aren't you going to explain yourself? Don't you want to be right, Jesus? But Jesus remained silent because he was given a gift from his heavenly Father to say, "I'll never leave you or forsake you." We're going to take a little bit of time just to sing this final song and. As we're doing that, we have the altars open for um, if you want to come and kneel and pray. Some people do this just as an act of submission to God. They just say, you know what, I want to get up. I want to take my physical body and just walk up and kneel and just pray. And that's completely appropriate. For some of you, you're going through something right now. and Maybe Christmas is just a real time of heartache. And our hearts break with you just experience a sense of loss. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's just something where things just aren't the way you feel they're supposed to be. And maybe you just want someone to pray for you at the cross. You just go up. You'll have some people who love to pray, pray for you. We'll finish with this song and then I'll come up and give us a blessing and we can be on our way. Lord Jesus, it's so hard, especially in today's climate, to be quiet. so hard to not speak our mind. It's so hard to know the person right across from us is saying the wrong thing. And yet oftentimes you say, shh, shh. Why are you downtrodden? Why are you so upset? Why does this bother you so much? Let's talk about that for a while before you open your mouth. I pray that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear what you would have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. What a gift. Go ahead, you can stand for the blessing. What a gift to not have to be right. Isn't that great? What a gift 
to not have to defend yourself. Doesn't that just feel free? What a gift to not have to explain yourself. Ugh, gets exhausting. What, what a gift to not have to be recognized. To not have to get your way. That's what the Lord has for you this Christmas season. Next week, we're going to be talking about a doozy with Mary. So we hope you join us for that. Now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in His strength, in His peace, in His mercy, and in His joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.